and welcome to the podcast at Dawn's House, because what the world needs most right now is a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. I'm Esther. I'm Karen. And I'm Aoife. And today we are talking about Babysitter's Club number... What the hell number is this, actually? Many. 16? 16. It is 16. Oh, I remembered. Yeah. Babysitter's Club number 16, Jesse's Secret Language. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just going to say up front, this book is like super problematic and we're so sorry yeah (laughs) okay i don't think we have to apologize for the book we're about to just explain yeah like what's going on with it um i also want to actually attempt kind of a bit of a defense of it okay but uh do you want to go into the stuff that's that's problematic and like maybe give a will we talk about what's in it before we yeah brief outline of the plot and yeah yeah Brief outline of the plot is this is the one where Jesse babysits for a deaf kid and learns sign language to communicate with him. And also there's ballet. Mm. That's it. That's the book. Yep. So yeah, before before rereading this, what I remembered was Jesse learns sign language to talk to a deaf kid. And that was it. Oh yeah, and she felt really self-conscious about being in the ballet because it was set in old-time Europe and there were no black people in old-timey Europe. Um, I, d- I vaguely remembered that. Like, is something that has certainly been revisited in the last few years as a common misconception. <laughs> yeah, there were definitely black people in old-timey Europe. This is... Just yeah. a lot of black people. <laughs> well, I remembered from it were uh i remembered that jesse had learned sign language to communicate with a deaf kid to talk to a deaf kid that they were that she was babysitting i remembered nothing else except for two specific turns of phrase mm-hmm. which when i read them went ah that's where that phrase is from i had never forgotten the phrases but i hadn't remembered which book mm-hmm. one of them was a description of jenny prezioso Eating pudding from a goblet with a silver spoon. I was <laughs> eating pudding from a goblet with a silver spoon. Just, I think because I didn't know what pudding mm. was, uh, just was indelibly etched in my memory as a kid. <laughs> um, and so I read that phrase again. It was like, yes, that's it. And uh, the other phrase was of uh, describing uh, Haley's hair as having a little tail at the back, which was very in. <laughs> yes. I remember trying to envision this hair and also sitting there in the mid-90s trying to recall a time when that would ever have been in and being unable to do so. Oh, oh several kids in my class had that in the mid-90s. That was a oh, rat God. tail. It was revolting. Yeah, but yeah. it wasn't, this wasn't in the 90s. Yeah, I remember rat tails, but I also remember thinking, no, she can't possibly mean a rat tail. And it was boys, usually. It was boys, yeah. Yeah, I've never seen a girl with that, a rat That was tail. what threw me out, because it was, but I think she was maybe attempting to describe a mullet. No, I think this is a, this is, is a, a boy tail. haircut that is on a girl for some reason. Okay. Yeah. Um, and like, we're, we're here for that. Um, except the fact that it's a rat tail. Which yes, is anything but a rat tail. Yeah. No, no, I remember rat uh, tails all right. I, I, that wasn't me going, I don't know what this hairstyle is, so much as I, I don't know if that's the hairstyle that they're intending to describe. No, I think it's pretty specific. I think you're just in denial because rat tails are so nasty. Yeah, it's fair. It's fair. I was, um, I actually read this again and was like, oh. So, um, I remembered that as well, um, encountering that where, and I think the exact line is, um, it was uh, blonde hair with a little tail in the back, very in, which she says as an aside. And I was like, so I didn't quite realise that what she meant when she said in 
is um, that it was in fashion. That just wasn't a phrase that I had encountered. And I was like, what do you mean when you say that it's very in? It's in the back, but it's very in the back? How is it? <laughs> Where is it situated? I just couldn't picture the hair at all. And I didn't realize it was just, well, I mean, I think we have a bit of a disagreement on what it is. <laughs> but I, I I think that that's... I think that that's what it is. No, yeah, I'm um, I'm willing to subscribe to the rat tail hypothesis. It's fine. <laughs> okay, this won't be a bone of contention. <laughs> no, this isn't another parsnip thing. No, no, not at all. I think I just, I, you're right. I was just in denial. Uh. <laughs> oh, the one other thing that I remembered was Jesse explaining that bar spelt the French way is a fancy French word for bar spelt the English way. <laughs> I've actually, this note is, this book is full of the most patronizing explanations. There's a lengthy passage where somebody says something sarcastically and Jesse explains the tone that they said it in. And, you know, but it doesn't just say they said sarcastically, which would actually just have done the job. Like, I'm pretty sure that most, like, 10 year olds know what that means. It's okay. <laughs> so I, I liked this book growing up. I like Jesse as a character. Mm. Um, and rereading it, I think the Jessie voice is actually quite distinct and I quite like that. And I think yes. she's a little bit pedantic and I, and a little bit cynical. And like Mallory is sort of like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm so hopeful and optimistic. And Jessie's a bit like, hmm, yeah, I like that. I get the feeling that she, she likes Mallory, but she thinks that Mallory is maybe a little bit of a sap <laughs> and like, yes. needs to be sheltered a little bit. <laughs> Like, Jesse comes from the big city or yeah. from the, the largest city next to the big city. <laughs> so I, She actually in this, I think, describes Oakley as not being a big, not being big, but I... She comes from a suburb that's near New Jersey, which is really near New York. Yeah, <laughs> and not... Mallory is from the sticks yeah. or from slightly further away from New York. I think that this is the degree of yes. stuff that's going on. Like Mallory is from, that's a long commute to New York. <laughs> and uh, yes. Jesse is from, that's a reasonable commute to New York. Yes. And it shows. So I quite liked, um, the description of Jesse's home life and stuff. And there, there was just a, yes. so just cause she's a new character and whatever, but there was a section that I remembered really clearly <clears throat> where she's describing how she gets up in the morning and she goes downstairs and she knows that her mother wakes up and listens to her going downstairs, even though they never talked about it. And it's just a thing yeah. that they know between them. And that really stuck with me. And that's kind of some of the, I just really like that. It's just a very nice piece of writing as well. Yeah. And that you don't get very much kind of literary <laughs> writing in the, these books. They're yes. very matter of fact and very in the tone of voice that you expect a teenager to kind of address you in. But I, I just, I like that yeah, a lot. I do. Um, I mean, of all the families in all of this, I have always got such a wonderful sense of warmth from Jesse's family. Mm. Yeah. They seem mm -hmm. just really nice. Like, they they seem to be openly loving to each other in a way that, quite frankly, a lot of the, the other families are, are the Kishis aren't like that. No, no, the like there's there's a lot of weird undercurrents in many of them. Yeah, the Kishis are so depressing. The Thomases are too busy and chaotic for yeah. that, and the, you know, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of it, which is you know, I just like it. Pretty good world building, actually. That like all the. <laughs> all the happy families are the same and all the unhappy families are unhappy in their own way. But I don't think that's true at all. I think that's quite different. But they're yeah. actually not, but that's the thing. I mean, none of these families are particularly unhappy. I think yeah, that, no. though actually now come to think of it, actually, yeah, there's a very different feel to 
the family life <laughs> yeah. to be members of the babysitter's club and that's like yeah. well done yeah. these were churned out at a rate of one a month that's impressive yeah nice. there's a, a quote actually that I had flagged up uh, which is also where she's talking about her morning routine she mm-hmm. says um Breakfast is one of my favorite times of day. Another is dinner. This isn't because I like to eat. It's because I like sitting at a table and looking around at my family, the five of us together, joined by something I could never explain, but that I can always feel. None of the other babysitters would say that. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. Like, it's really distinctive. And yeah, it's just really sweet. And like, we've seen a lot of like family stress in the last few books, yeah. like mm-hmm. the Pike situation. And the Schaefer <laughs> situation and everything. And it's just really nice mm-hmm. to see this family that just sort of uncomplicatedly enjoys being together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And isn't going to have a surprise divorce later on in the series, as yeah. <laughs> some of them are. So, yeah. Um, so I remembered that. Uh, I really like that. I remembered bits about um, Coppelia. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, I, I let's guess. go with that. You can Google this. Every now and again, I'll hear about that years later and be like, that was Jessie's starring role. Or, you know, that's obviously, um, Aww, although actually I think she gets another starring role down the line as well. I think, um, Jessie is like, oh, I don't want to be a professional. Like, mm, well, <laughs> you may not have a choice in the matter, Jessie. <laughs> I think Jessie is not saying she wants to be a professional because mm. admitting it would be too scary. Um, yeah. But I think like, It feels like it's being set up that eventually she's going to become a professional, but I think it's like, I'm not ready to become one of those career children, which is entirely fair. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's, yeah. I, I, I think I'd imagine if she she feels that if she said to herself now, yes, I definitely want to become a professional, so I better give up the babysitting club so I can go to ballet lessons those days as well. Yeah. Mm. You know. Yeah. She's 11. Yeah, that's true. But a lot of people who are getting into some of these very vocational career paths are being told they have to make that decision at 11 or much younger as well. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, I remembered all that stuff. I remembered Matt Braddock initially, like immediately I was like, Oh, that's the name of the kid, um, who Jesse goes to babysit for. And then I also remembered Ghost Pate. I had forgotten Ghost Pate and was delighted by Ghost Pate. <laughs> I had completely forgotten it. And yes, this, it was, it was, a, I love Karen Brewer so much. <laughs> she's great. Yes, she's always a, hi- a highlight uh, in these ones. Yeah, there's a, there was quite a lot of little details that I remembered, but those were three kind of, um, <laughs> three, three kind of major things. Um, so yeah, I guess we could go into the, the plot in <laughs> a bit more yeah. detail. All right. So yeah, the first chapter is Jessie sort of introducing herself and her family. She she leads up by telling you that one time they went to Mexico and she became practically bilingual in Spanish in the space of a week, which I'm sure as a child, when I read this, I completely took at face value. And as an adult, <laughs> I laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. Yeah. I assume she was like exaggerating and like she picked up enough walking around Spanish that people were like, oh, hey, that's cute. <laughs> the tourist kid is talking to me. You know, but she's trying. <laughs> I, I'm sure it was that. Uh, and, you know, I found it cute and funny. Like I was not mm-hmm. annoyed by it, but I'm... Like, I now know that's not how languages work. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's to set up the fact that she learns sign language mm. real fucking fast later on. Implausibly quickly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm actually, every time it says she signs something, I'm just like, how bad was the grammar there, though? <laughs> Ooh. 
I bet that was barely comprehensible. <laughs> so, yes, she goes to a babysitter's club meeting. She describes everybody. Jessie complains that she and Mallory are not allowed to dress as wild as Claudia. Uh, one thing I noticed in this section, actually, is that Jessie uses other kids. She says, oh, yeah, other kids, blah, blah, blah. And the older babysitters, I think, maybe consciously don't. They'll be like, oh, yeah, other people think blah. But oh, yeah. Jessie and is, is just that little bit um, younger. Yeah, the other thing that I noticed here as well is like, oh, I was like, God, the backstory exposition chapters have got so long by this point. <laughs> yes. And because I remembered them being super tedious growing up and it, we've read as far as like book 14. I was like, yeah, no, they're fine. They, they're repetitive. They come up again, but it's not that bad. And now I'm starting to be like, oh my God, there, there is just so much of this book is devoted to explaining all this, all the shit we already know about all these characters. Yeah. This is like a full on, fully formed chapter two. <laughs> And I think this is probably, it is this that yep, pushed yes. Anna Martin over into using ghostwriters. She was like, I cannot, I cannot do this fucking chapter one more time. I'm just going to outsource it. Stacey's in New York and we're still explaining that she has diabetes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, She's I not mean, even here anymore. Who is this for? Stacey's gone. Jesse never <laughs> met her. She moved into her house. Oh my God. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They've not fucking met. That is so weird. They categorically have never co-located no. interacted and <laughs> yes. also there's a weird interlude where Don tells everyone that if you can touch your nose with your tongue it means that eventually you'll need a very big bra eventually like when you're 18 yeah <laughs> see that makes that makes perfect sense to me as bullshit kid culture stop yes. doing it Aoife's doing it right now oh my god it's I so can't weird. I can't touch my nose <laughs> with my tongue thereby proving this completely true <laughs> i can touch my nose with my tongue and i have a gigantic rack so <laughs> it's true that's science right there yeah qed I, I could touch my nose with my tongue it would utterly disprove it <laughs> absolutely oh i can't touch my nose either yeah no i'm i'm kind of i'm kind of midway in the rack stakes <laughs> you're still breastfeeding though so like yeah. you haven't settled into your final form yet <laughs> Yeah, I've still got an evolution to go through Pokemon <laughs> style. <laughs> that, uh, to be fair, that is exactly the sort of thing mm. me and my friends talked about when we were 13, 14. That yeah. is kid folklore. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I believe it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's very silly and very ridiculous and very believably this is what 13-year-olds <laughs> would get all worked up about. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, they're not getting all worked up. They're like Christy is. Christy gets hysterical. Christy shrieks. I can do it. I can do it. I thought they were just like, like falling around the place laughing and not freaking out about. It. I think they were, but they also are going to like definitely try this and be a little bit too into it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Considering how very unscientific it actually is. Then Mrs. Braddock calls up and mm-hmm. explains that she needs a babysitter for her kids but that her son Matt is deaf and that anyone who babysits is going to need to learn some sign language to communicate with him mm-hmm. um, so Jessie is interested and agrees to do it basically mm. Jessie is available on the re- on the required days yeah <laughs> it's a regular job so it's like twice a week twice yeah. a week yeah um, and she wants the same person each time which makes sense when there's like a, a language thing yeah. that yeah. the person will need 
uh, training in. So yeah. So also in this uh, American Sign Language is consistently referred to as Amislan, which is a term I have never heard before or since. I have seen that. So I looked this up, okay? So, because I had forgotten the term Amislan until I reread this book. And then I was like, yeah, what? It's not called. Anyway, so yeah, ASL was referred to as Amislan in the 60s and 70s. All right. <laughs> Why it's referred to as such in this book, I do not know. I looked up at uh, Anna Martin on the subject of, um, like, what her background is with people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Because it wasn't this one that I was reminded of so much as um, there is a later book in the Babysitter's Club series where um, she, where they babysit for an autistic person. And then there is a standalone novel, which I read, where there is, it's also told from the point of view of a character who has an autistic sibling. Mm -hmm. And so I looked up Anna Martin on this. And it turns out she's quite recently written a book the, which in this case is from the perspective of an autistic person, um, and which is quite interesting and an interesting development. But she was talking about that. And so basically she did some training in special education at mm-hmm. some point, And that was where her interest in people with disabilities came. And that's why she does a fair amount of writing of representing uh, people with disabilities generally in the um, generally in this sense of being an outsider. Yeah. Witnessing mm. a person. Yeah. Um, and reacting to them and sort of, uh, in what you described as a well-meaning way, sort of trying to be helpful to them. Trying to teach the readers something about how to interact with people with disabilities, I guess? Yeah, basically that. So it made a lot of sense to me that she, um, this is from somebody who came to it from a perspective of, she was a teacher. She Mm -hmm. was like, uh, and her whole, all of her writing makes more sense when you think of her as like a, a super well-meaning Educator. Educator. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, it really, actually really does. Like, I'm kind of, I'm I'm kind of okay with that. (laughs) It's very much, it is by a non-disabled person for non-disabled people. Yes. And within those parameters, it is very Mm well-meaning. But obviously there are always going to be issues around that. Yeah, for sure. Um, So, but it does make sense to me that uh, she might know an older term yeah for the um for american sign language which is no longer used that makes perfect sense yeah so jesse then goes to ballet class um where i laugh my head off at the depiction of her teacher because her teacher is talking in this weirdo fake accent it's not an accent that anyone has except (laughs) the ballet teacher that i attended when i was about 10 or 11 (laughs) Ah. talked in an absolutely bizarre fake accent that is extremely similar to this. So I don't know if when you go to ballet teacher college, they teach you to talk in this nonsensical accent. You must learn to speak ballet. (laughs) It was the dance, dance thing. Dance. And she says close. And she calls Jesse Ramsey, Jesse Romsey. I spent far too long today being like, okay, so what accent are we saying dance and Romsey in? It's an American (laughs) accent. So... It's like dance and Ramsey. So actually she's just saying dance <laughs> for dance, which makes sense. But then she does it for ah uh, for ah sounds as opposed yeah. to ah sounds. And it doesn't make any sense linguistically. It's a nonsensical ballet teacher accent. It's a nonsensical ballet teacher accent. I just read this and was like, oh, it's Mademoiselle from Ballet Shoes. And <laughs> read, oh, yeah. this is just a thing. Okay, so this is foreign 
foreign ballet teachers with sticks. I've no idea if Mademoiselle and ballet shoes had a stick, but you know, it's just, that's who it is. That's, that's what's here. These seem like harmless affectations, to be quite honest, compared to a friend of ours who did ballet. Oh yeah. Who, uh, said, so you're supposed to, your posture is you're supposed to have your bum tucked under. And this mm-hmm. one particular teacher, um, who she was in class with, uh, had really long nails and she'd go around and pinch your bum with them if they were, if you weren't tucked under enough. And she said, oh yeah, so then I moved up another class and uh, the teacher in that class didn't have really long nails. So she used a pin. I was like, I am not putting any child of mine into ballet. <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> it it just all sounds like there's a lot of um, regimented, boring stuff that you have to go through. And I think that that, for people who are in like professional dance, they're like, that's sort of the purpose of ballet is to really give you this grounding in fundamentals and the discipline of it. Um, yeah. But uh, I, it sounds like zero crack to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, and I, that was my, my perception of it as well was just being really bad at it. And despite really wanting to be good at it, I was not. <laughs> um, so I quit. I, I enjoyed ballet class. I was, I'm pretty sure I was shit at it. Um, But the teacher was like, I don't think she thought any of us were going to become professionals. So she wasn't trying to drill us in terrifying discipline or anything like that. Nice. Right. But mm-hmm. like, it was grand. But yes, I, I was surprised and delighted to find that apparently this weird nonsensical accent, which was kind of like a cross between a fake British accent and a fake French accent, is apparently just how ballet teachers talk. <laughs> <laughs> so good to know. Yeah. Anybody who did ballet for years, like chime in and tell us. Yes. Did you encounter this as well? What is the deal with this? This linguistic phenomenon. Is there a ballet accent? <laughs> is this is this a known ballet accent that you genuinely learn to cultivate? And have we just disrespected ballet culture horribly? Yeah, is, is, is this something that you learn when you get your black belt in ballet? Like, how does it work? <laughs> and can I just correct my previous statement? I'm sorry. Any ballet teachers that might be listening to this? Would you be please feel free to weigh in as well? I don't want to assume that it's. <laughs> please chime in in video form so that we can hear how you talk. You want to hear? Yeah, yes. you got to hear this. Send, Send us, us your TikTok. TikToks, ballet teachers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yes, Jessie is reflecting on how she went to ballet, and she's like the youngest girl in her class, and. There are these two girls called Hillary and Katie Beth who were the youngest before she arrived and now they resent her. And I kind of thought it was going to be like they're more of the racist of Stony Brook, but they seem mm. to just resent her for being slightly younger than them. Mm-hmm. They are they are just standard issue non-racist bullies. Yeah, they're yeah. just, they're <laughs> generic bullies rather than racist bullies. <laughs> Do you, did you guys see, there's a, a UK comedian who said he got, <laughs> what is his name he was like I got mugged and the guy like stole my phone and ran away and then he came back and he was like look just so as you know this was random right it's not because you're gay my sister's gay and I would never want that and then he just ran off again <laughs> that's amazing he was like uh, what just happened here <laughs> heard it so wholesome it was just regular crime not hate crime <laughs> exactly yeah I just want you to know I want you to be very clear that while I am perfectly happy to steal your phone <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. You weren't targeted, okay? Yeah. I'm not profiling you. And by the way, no. give me your wallet. <laughs> I have nothing against the gays, but I am stealing your phone. I'm just yes. a mugger. I'm just a mugger, not a homophobe. That's yeah. amazing. 
it's weirdly wholesome. I like it. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, I, I mean, I think I'd, I'd actually feel strangely reassured. Yeah. Like, I think <laughs> well, I like, genuinely oh, would. Stealing someone's phone is a financial decision, you know? Yes. You do it because you need the money for whatever you need money for. <laughs> it's not personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you would probably feel a bit less unsafe than you would had you thought yeah just just it's a very considerate mugger i guess like oh i don't i don't want him to be lying awake thinking about this (laughs) exactly so yes hillary and katie beth are just 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 regular bullies um I guess they're ageist because <laughs> to Jesse for being younger than them. There, there is no logic being applied here because um, they they kind of go at her and then they make sardonic remarks in her direction about how she only gets the role. So she gets the starring role. Um, she only got the role because Madame Noel, um, she's her favorite now because she's the youngest. Yeah. Um, and that as soon as there's a younger girl coming along, that person will get, uh, will be the favorite. And I'm like, so you didn't think you were good either. Cause <laughs> you were the youngest until now. That's an excellent it's, point. Like, does, th- th- there was no, like, um, poor old Jessie is, is the target of the bullying and she's like, she's too close to it to, like work any of this out. I think when people <laughs> feel bad and are saying things in order to make somebody else feel bad because they feel bad and feel the need to blame it on someone, mm-hmm. I think in that case they don't really worry about the internal logic there. They just kind of say the thing that they think will make the person feel bad. Yeah, but it's more fun if you pick apart their internal logic. And it's like leaving yourself just way open to like somebody going, hang on a second though. <laughs> yeah. Well, basically they're like, we want the undeserved special treatment. Yeah, um, yeah. Th- that feels so Simpsons. But just, <laughs> I feel like someone would. I was gonna say, actually, you know what it really is reminding me of? Trump. <laughs> <laughs> and like, well, also everything about him, but also specifically the whole this election uh, is a fraud. Yes. Yes. Thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So the girls demand a recount. <laughs> <laughs> They got the next best roles that were available. Like I know, yeah, it's fine. Anyway, yeah. There are there are older girls who are like cast as fucking townspeople who are like, oh, congratulations, Jesse, I'm really happy for you. Like, just yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you're Get right. They're Trump. They're Trump. <laughs> they're, they're yeah. They're whiny petty Trumpies. <laughs> but you know, they're twelve, so they'll probably grow out of it. Yeah, I, I, yeah fingers crossed. I'm picturing them ballet dancing in their like tutus and MAGA hats now. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. Oh no. Make ballet great again. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> so yeah, Jessie is a bit shaken up by this, but her mum uh points out that they did their research and this is a really good ballet school and the teacher is really good and she's very professional and she wouldn't give Jessie the part if she didn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. Which is an interesting like line of argument and it works. Yeah, it sounds like it's very calculated to appeal to specifically what will reassure Jesse. Yes. Yeah. Um, and like not necessarily like, oh no, you're great. We know you're great. You know, the, the kind of, um, unconditional support that doesn't help when you're concerned that there's actually a yes. systemic issue. Like <laughs> here is a stack of logic. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, it's like, yeah, no, the system is sound and the system gave you the part. So you deserve the part. It's fine. And like, 
Also, Jessie was clearly part of the whole decision-making process in picking the school as yes. well. So she's like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That so helps. Jessie then does some research in a literal paper encyclopedia because it's the eighties. <laughs> uh, she reads about what sign language is, um, which, yeah, is exactly what you would think it is, but whatever. <laughs> and then she goes to the Braddocks and it's, it's more like a meet and greet. She's not actually babysitting this time. So mm-hmm. her, the Mrs. Braddock gives her a kind of info dump about, uh, deafness and how there are different uh, forms of deafness and some people do lip reading and some people do sign language and that they felt that sign language was the best option for Matt. Yeah. So they give Jesse a dictionary and are like, okay, just memorize this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Jesse's a bit daunted and they're like, okay, you don't have to memorize it all immediately, but you can look stuff up in it. And she's like, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> she does rise to the challenge like, she does yeah. mm. absolutely <laughs> so like I found this was like the kind of attempt to address the fact that you know there's you know should should people teach learn sign language to communicate with their deaf deaf children or should deaf people be left to sort of just fend for themselves founder around and make their own way without sign language because that way no one else has to bother learning sign language yeah um, <laughs> I mean, I'm, you know, not saying... I mean, it's pretty clear I have an opinion on this. Um, <laughs> frankly, they should teach sign language in schools. It would make everything easier on everyone, wouldn't it? But um She's presenting it as a debate. Yeah, yeah. She's presenting, very much presenting it as a debate. Uh, and as, as kind of an active debate. Yeah. And even later on, Jessie is kind of saying, oh, I'm not sure if they're really doing the right thing in not having Matt learn to lip read, but it's like... So they've made it pretty clear um, that, like, it's really interesting that they're explaining to the 11-year-old babysitter that they took this path because X, Y, and Z, and uh, some of the factors that are involved are that Mash has no hearing whatsoever. And yeah, that other, yeah. um, later on, we see some of the kids in his class and some of them do have some hearing capacity. So they're doing exercises geared toward that, which is, you know, that's fine. That's a separate thing. Yeah. Um, I think, I think this was much, must have been much more the state of, the debate either at the time she was writing or at the time when she was doing her own training. Yeah, entirely likely. Um, and that, so, um, the whole book is very much, yeah, it is geared towards educating people along mm-hmm. those lines. And so it does, it presents certain things to us as things that might happen, which seem to us like horrendous injustices. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it is whatever about, you know, oh, is it, is it fair or unfair to teach Matt to read lips or not to? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it pretty much does come incontroversibly down that it is unfair to not teach a deaf child to sign. Yep. And to, for the family to not learn to sign so that they could communicate with a deaf child. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, in fairness. Yeah. And being unable, not bothering to learn to communicate with your own child is shown as a bad thing. But not. As bad as I think it would be shown now. The like, thing is that no. Jessie's reaction to this is like, whoa, that's terrible. It's more that she's presenting it as a as a phenomenon that actually occurs in the world, which I imagine it probably still does. I'm sure it does, yeah. And, and that there are probably communities where it's like, oh no, deafness is a thing that you want to... Um, Conceal as much as possible. Yeah. But l- that, like, 
it's never presented as a good thing, in fairness, just as a, something that might happen. And I can't say for certain whether that was more common, like back in the day, whether that was like something that you might want to educate your audience about, like, oh, hey, this is a bad thing. I'm kind yeah. of thinking maybe if I had read this more than five hours ago, I could have looked into these things. <laughs> well, I didn't. So I think we're getting into something that's possibly still a fairly current area of debate where certainly yeah. um there's a lot of discussion over whether things like cochlear implants are actually a benefit to people who are yeah. deaf or whether people like hearing people should like fucking learn to get sign. the finger out and learn how to sign yeah. yeah i know i certainly have read stuff online not because of this book but over the years by deaf people talking about how mm-hmm. their life was massively negatively impacted by their family yes. not learning to sign so yeah even if in that case they, you know, had had cochlear implants, etc. And it was just expected that they would have to struggle yeah. and catch up with everyone else, which, yeah. Having done linguistics in college, as like two of us have, you is so one of the key issues that comes up in child language acquisition is that you need to learn a language and it doesn't matter what it is. Um, and like, and a, uh, signed language is exactly the equivalent of a spoken language M- for mentally. your cognitive development. For, that. for your brain. Yeah. yeah. They're the same. Your brain doesn't care. Yes. Um, they're, they're also equivalent in adults, but for children, you have to learn your first language in order to kind of lay down this groundwork for being able to learn any language. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do that, then you will find it really, really difficult to, um, communicate linguistically as an adult. You may have all sorts of other like cognitive capacities that you can um, you can still access. You could be an amazing mathematician, but you're gonna really have been harmed by the experience of not getting a language to start with. So that's why you need to fucking learn to sign yeah. for your child if you discover that your child is deaf. Which is why, if you've read Babysitter's Club number sixteen, Jesse's Secret Language, they <laughs> Matt started going to school from the age of two. Yeah, uh, because that way he will be immersed in an environment where people were signing mm-hmm. yeah it's it's just it's very much presented as there's a variety of different approaches and this is the approach the Braddocks have gone with and really who's to say what's the right path yeah 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 and and like yeah jesse is kind of you know matt seems to be doing okay but like i can't say that the Braddocks definitely made the right choice, but you know, it seems to be working, I guess. It's, 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 it's a bit both sidesy about it. I don't, I didn't take that away from it. I think with the, the, the other family who have the deaf child, the, 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 the deaf child to the younger sister of the girl, um, uh, she's in Ballywith. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Adele is the girl's name. So I think it's definitely shown as a contrast and Adele is showing us having a harder time that her family are less Mm-hmm. Are basically it's it's shown as a bad thing yeah. in the narrative. Yeah. But then when Jessie out loud talks about it and evaluates it in her own words, she kind of takes the we can't really say which is right. It's weird that way. I, I, I do think it's coming down on one side of the debate. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also very much presenting it as, well, this is under discussion. I wonder was Anna and Martin afraid of getting like hate mail? from people who had gone the other way if she didn't it actually strikes me that she's in favor of like yeah deaf 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 people sighting and people around them learning to sign to communicate with them but didn't want to but felt she had to hedge maybe like that's actually the impression i get because the plot Mm -hmm. and the narrative says Mm -hmm. yeah this this way is better 
But the um, the words of the character when consciously evaluating the choices go, ooh, ooh, who knows? It's a debate. Yeah, you're right. Jesse is more is is more ambivalent about it than the actual narrative seems to be. <laughs> yes, thank you. You said that with way fewer words than I did. Well done. <laughs> It's easier to formulate the short version when you're listening to somebody outline the longer version. Yes. This is why I interrupt people in meetings. <laughs> yeah, no, I would I would agree with that. I think that there's um there's an interesting kind of ambivalence here. It's it is something you get across the books as a whole when Anna Martin is dealing with issues. Mm-hmm. And that you get a little bit in this book again when race comes up again. Mm-hmm. Um where she's kind of, um, you're getting a variety of viewpoints being presented. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them, I think it isn't actually that surprising that Jesse, as an 11 year old and an 11 year old who has mostly come to this, having listened to Mrs. Braddock's take on it. Mm-hmm. And Mrs. Braddock is quite defensive in some ways. Um, that like, she's like, well, I guess there's an A and a B side to it. Uh, where, so Mrs. Braddock has clearly had to have this argument with people before that like, no, I'm not going to try and teach him to lip read. Yeah. Uh, that's just, that's not, <laughs> that's not setting him up for success. This is not the route that we're going to go down. And so she's kind of presented this to Jesse in part of the, the training session as like a big decision they had to make. Uh, so Jesse's like, gosh, I suppose people can learn how to, how to lip read. Uh, and in this same way, yeah, you see Anna Martin kind of hedging her bets in other scenes and like points where like in the previous uh in hello mallory where the babysitters are talking to jesse and they're like gosh i suppose having a black babysitter might harm our business but you know what we should we'll stand by you anyway we've thought about it and we're gonna you know and i was like no that's not the fucking right answer (laughs) and again in this book you have you have a scene with christy which really underscores why christy is one of my least favorite characters (laughs) where christy has this unjustified confidence where she's babysitting for Jesse's little sister Becca and Becca is like yeah it's kind of harsh moving to this small town where people are racist about us and Christy's like oh yeah well I mean when you're new there's like it's really hard because people will pick on you for all sorts of stuff and uh, mm. like so she what she is describing is her own experience of classism uh-huh. and that's not nothing but it also is not the fucking equivalent. No. And Becca's yeah. like, oh, I suppose I feel a bit better. <laughs> you know, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's great. We've connected on this level. And I was like, oh, my God, Christy. Just <laughs> just like, just stay in your lane. Like, <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. The, the, basically, this white 12 year old has turned around and said, I, too, have been judged. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. No, for not being not. a literal millionaire. I think I feel like Mallory would just be like rolling her eyes in the background going no I don't know Mallory was like I have to wear glasses and that's kind of like being black so oh yeah no that's exactly true yeah I I honestly I think it's I think it is the teacher thing again it's an attempt to look obviously the readers of these books are white so we're just gonna you know try some analogies there so that they can imagine what it feels like and it's like not that's not gonna no. No, 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 you're trivialising it, actually, but okay. Is there a tweet during the week that says the big problem with the world right now is that um, people can't empathise without being able to relate? Mm. It's like, you actually don't 
need this reduced to white people's experiences all the time. <laughs> yes. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so there's. Yeah, I don't know if I added anything to that discussion, to be quite honest. <laughs> I was trying to <laughs> sound it out of my own head. I won't know either until I've combed through the whole thing in post. It's fine. <laughs> so, okay, so Mrs. Braddock explains that, yeah, some people do lip reading and some people do signing and they do signing, basically. Uh, Jesse is astonished that Matt can read for some reason. Yeah, at seven. Yeah. Which is the age I was when I was reading these books. And I was like, hmm? I feel like the book is assuming we don't think a deaf seven-year-old could read. I think so. And I don't know why we would think that. Yeah. I think when I read this, when I was like 11 or 12, I think I kind of read that and was like, I guess other people are stupid enough to think that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was my take on it was, yeah, people are idiots. I bet they would make foolish assumptions such as that. Ha. Mm. I, and I sort of patronizingly laughed at them and moved on. Moving on to Jenny Prezioso. Oh, yes. Who's really fucking annoying. Goblet and a silver spoon. Yeah. This is an interesting one because we've talked in the past about how Jenny is has been set up until now as the brat with yeah. a capital B. Yeah. And frequently she's just been a, like, mostly she's just been a slightly higher maintenance child than is standard for kids yeah. her age. Yeah. Um, and I have, I'm somewhat familiar with the notion of kids that will randomly yell at you because you want them to put a smock on, like that kind of, that kind of thing. As we call them, kids. As we call them, kids. Uh, in this, in this book, it's like Anna Martin was like, oh yeah, I have a brat <laughs> that I can yes. use. Deploy the brat. She goes full pretiosa. Yeah. <laughs> She was so horrible in this. We've only we've only had like 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6 of Prezioso till now. This is like nine. This is this is just We're going full Prezioso. Yeah. yeah. Um Marianne writes up the entry for this chapter because she's babysitting for for Jenny, and she is the one who has a lot of patience with Jenny, a lot of time for her. And she's yeah. like, she was so terrible today. Maybe we should run some classes on manners for the kids. <laughs> it was like, I, was like yeah. I think what you mean is, is parents, no, I think it's the parents that need the classes. You can't really blame a four-year-old. You could have a word with the four-year-old <laughs> about the behavior. You could Definitely. have a word. I think, no, I think the issue with Jenny is like, it's they're trying to get her to do something like wear, 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 wear play clothes so she can play. And she never has to do that. I don't know what she does in her fancy clothes all day when her parents are home. He's putting out of a goblet. She's putting out of a goblet, yeah. Yeah, I think that's, I, I, I think I'd love to have a, be a fly on the wall in that house, right? I think it would benefit the babysitters to see what actually happened. And then they can try and match that experience. So Jenny just gets a normal day and they're kind of sitting there going, can you be a normal child? And she's just like, no. Uh, but we don't know what Jenny's normal is. I want to say that she's in front of the telly all day, except my kids are in front of the telly for a lot of the day and they still manage to get themselves absolutely filthy. So I know that that's not related to the clothes <laughs> issue. Your kids are a lot nicer than Jenny Prezioso's. Oh, I, I'm glad you fucking think so. <laughs> Your kids are brilliant. <laughs> I, there, there, there are frequent hissy fits and occasionally it can be something like, no, I'm not going to wear your smock. I'm, I am going to make an issue of this. We are going to have this out right now, ma'am. And this is the hill I'm going to die on. Thanks. Um, but, and so I do, I get that level of just kids sometimes digging in for yeah, reasons yeah. that are kind of opaque to everybody, including possibly them. Um, no. So in this particular one, though, she just straight up, 
encounters Matt Braddock. Poor Matt, who is in theory the subject of this book, but who gets almost no airtime mm-hmm. from us or anyone else. Uh-huh. And uh, so she meets him and she's basically like, uh, that disabled kid is weird yeah. and I hate him. Mm-hmm. Then she screams in his face. And she yeah. screams in his face. I'm like, oh, this is just like, this is painful to see represented. Yeah. I kind of believe it though, as an incident. I can absolutely believe it, but it's really fucking stressful to read. Yes. Yeah. And also nobody really gives out to her. Jenny is terrible and they keep sitting for her and yeah, they should just drop the Preciosas as clients. Yeah. They should, but they're not gonna because they need Jenny around for narrative reasons. Good television. (laughs) So yeah, Jenny is horrible. Nobody calls her on it. Um, Haley is then like upset. Haley is, sorry, is Matt's sister. Uh, the one with the rat tail. I don't think we've yes. actually used your name. Uh, rat tail girl is upset that this has happened and kind of mad at Matt and mad at everyone else and gets upset. She has a long talk with Jesse about the whole thing and about, uh, yeah, that she finds it hard to be Matt's sister. Yeah. Um, or to be the sister of a disabled child. Yeah. Yeah. It comes up more later on. Um, yeah. but yeah, she kind of has a tantrum. Um, mm-hmm. in this. Oh, she just makes a single. Oh no, no, she does actually kind of lose her shit about Jenny. Yes. Yeah, so yeah she yells yeah. at him that he stinks. Yeah. It would have been great if she'd yelled at Jenny. Yes. That Jenny stank. Much, <laughs> yeah. Jesse much better. Stink. Yeah. Direct your anger at the appropriate target. Yeah. Yeah, I know, but it's so much easier to direct your anger at your immediate family because they're obliged to love you. <laughs> That's true. Even if you do that. Yeah. They're going to forgive you for it, assuming that it isn't a constant terrible abusive thing. Whereas that stranger, that stranger will never like you again and could tell everyone else that you're awful. Oh no, Jenny Prezioso won't like me. <laughs> I know, right? But she doesn't know. No, no know. she doesn't know what Stony Brook is like yet. She's new. <laughs> she hasn't read the previous 15 books, yeah. okay? <laughs> so Jessie, uh, on her first day actually minding the kids, she takes them around to the Pikes uh, because mm-hmm. the Pikes are basically uh, like insta posse of friends for anyone that you need to like socialize if you can break the pikes then you've got stony brook like <laughs> in your pocket exactly <laughs> pretty much yeah so they go around uh Haley is happy to hang out with vanessa uh because vanessa is a girl her age and she doesn't yet know that vanessa insists on speaking in rhyme so she's <laughs> <laughs> good luck with that uh realization <laughs> Then um, the Pikes are quite excited by the idea of sign language mm-hmm. and Haley starts teaching them a few signs and they start uh, asking her uh, how to sign various insults. So Jesse has realised this is possibly uh, an angle <laughs> with which to, to sell the concept of sign language yes. to kids in general. She also, like, the, the first oppor- possible opportunity that Matt has to get to know the triplets and Nikki... They start arguing about sports, which um, they're like, oh, it's so good. It's so nice to see them connecting, (laughs) which is is pretty funny. So, yeah, there was a bit in this scene where um, Jesse's like, oh, God, it's such a relief to see them all like hanging out together and everything. And, um, you know, that there's there's no kind of difficulties um, integrating. And uh, Mallory's like, oh, yeah, well, when you're in a family as big as mine, you learn to be pretty accepting. And I was like, are the Duggars accepting, do you think? (laughs) Like, <laughs> are the fucking pikes accepting? Considering the fucking triplets have been bullying Nikki for many books at this point. Yeah, maybe it's accepting of people's 
like of other people's foibles. <laughs> like yeah. maybe you don't apply these standards to to your family. Also, I think like Vanessa is lucky not to have been like sold on eBay at this <laughs> yeah. point. She would have been if it had been invented. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please take my older sister. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Seriously. She won't stop rhyming. <laughs> so yeah, we then have uh, Jesse is back at ballet and she meets Katie Beth's little sister, Adele. And Adele uses ASL and Katie Beth doesn't. So she, Jesse helps Adele to figure out where the bathroom is. Mm-hmm. And Katie Beth is kind of astonished that she knows how to sign. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that Adele lives mostly at boarding school in Massachusetts and comes home for the holidays and nobody at home can sign. And sometimes if they shout really loud, she can hear them a bit. And that uh, they want her to learn how to lip read, but she won't because, as Katie Beth says, oh, she's so stubborn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the... Th- <sighs> I recall Katie Beth from a couple of other books, and I think Katie Beth is like the repository for all the badness that could be associated with the ballet class. <laughs> like, um, not to be spoilery, but yeah, there's if if you need a scapegoat in the ballet class for Jesse to be kind of concerned about and possibly help, it's gonna be Katie Beth. Good like, to know. I had no memory of Katie Beth at all. Kind of like Koki and Grace in the, the overall in Stony Brook Middle School. I can't wait for Koki and Grace. Like, Yes, I'm very excited for Koki. <laughs> but uh, no, Katie Beth is just kind of more like, are you okay? <laughs> Katie Beth is not okay. Um, the, I suspect that there is more wrong in the home life. Like, Yes. It, the 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 absolutely shitty way that they treat Adele is a symptom of the family life and not like it's not a standalone thing yeah i think but yeah no it's um it uh it's it's like that that is neglect that yeah. what you're describing there <laughs> like yeah that's terrifying it's very upsetting and then yeah like jesse has a a quick conversation with adele and katie beth is like can't understand anything that they're saying and jesse's like hmm now you know how it feels bitch <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not in so many words but yeah <laughs> And then she like, she feels she's bonded with Katie Beth and Katie Beth is never going to call her a teacher's pet again, which is quite an assumption, but apparently it works out. I was reading this scene again going, huh, um, I feel like if I was Katie Beth, not, okay, not like I'm, I'm like identifying so strong with Katie Beth, but it does feel like the kind of scenario where Katie Beth would be pissed off because Jesse is this interloper who's suddenly, um, like bonded with the sister that Katie Beth never recognized was valuable. Yeah. And that like, um, the, the kind of person that she is, is probably going to be all like, don't you be talking to my sister who I ignore all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, like Katie Beth has been established as a bully. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's really very weird to have her turn around and be all like, um, Oh, now that you're talking to Adele, I understand that she's somebody who's worth talking to. Like I assume that like just angry. I mean, that she just, have an angry reaction. I understand it's to kind of speed the plot along and it's not really a book about Katie Beth being a bitch, but like... Katie Beth is a bitch, like... Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it is a little unrealistic that like, this is where she turns it around and also Hillary is never spoken of again. Yeah. Hillary is an uh, unreconstructed villain. Okay. And (laughs) will reappear as such, I think, later on down the line. Katie Beth is the kind of reluctant one. Katie Beth is now... Only middling evil. Well, no, she's still quite evil, actually. She's still terrible oh. and I hate her. Never mind. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, it's okay to hate Katie Beth. Yeah. 
Meanwhile, in Millionaire Town, <laughs> Claudia is babysitting Karen and Andrew and David Michael. Thank God there is some fun to be had in this book. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the ghosts on the third floor are having a party and the living are not invited, but they are expected to bring snacks to the bottom of the stairs for the ghosts. <laughs> so Karen explains and everybody else is like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> David, Michael and Andrew are like, we're just going to play a board game and let you do the, do your Karen thing. Yeah, over there. Like, Andrew actually building like a cool thing out of like Lego and Meccano or Tinker Toys or something. I don't know what Tinker Toys I don't know are. what they are either. They just appear in this. It's not Meccano anyway. I just said that. I just, <laughs> they may be broadly similar. But Karen has important provisions to, to bring to the ghosts. So yes, Claudia has to provide ghost pate, which is liverwurst, which I think is, you know, the way people bang on about how moist is the worst word in the English language. I think liverwurst is a much, liverwurst. much worse word. Yeah. Like I've never eaten liverwurst and frankly, I never will. But I mean, the only thing I know about is is from like reading American books and watching American TV. The only thing I know about it is that it's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, I think it's generally pr- like when you encounter it in media, it's presented as something that people don't want to eat. Yeah. It's like lutefisk if it's Scandinavians. Yeah. That, yeah, it's just that. Ugh. It's, it's old people food. Old people food. The, so the whole situation is that Karen is like, Oh yeah, I have to bring them food. Um, and it's, it's ghost pate. So I have to go down to the kitchen and Claudia's like, God, just don't go miles away to the kitchen. It's pretend food. Just bring it up here from, you know, just, just pretend the food is here. You don't need to go to the kitchen because she's spooked by how big the house is. And so Karen's like, Oh, okay. And then she goes up and like leaves her pretend tray of, of ghost pate. Um, and then she wants ghost pate and Claudia's like, okay, I'll see what we have. And they do have liverwurst and crackers. And Karen eats it. And I was yes, looking at it going, cheerfully. Imagine a child eating that. Just imagine. <laughs> like, I am just blown away by this. Because <laughs> I was a picky eater as a kid. I was a picky eater as a kid. And my parents plenty of times tried to make foods I did not like seem appealing mm. by, by creating some fanciful name or <laughs> it never worked and it didn't work the time my dad gave me a rabbit and thought she won't eat this because it's a it's a bunny rabbit and she'll feel bad that was not the sort of child I was I would have happily eaten it however it tasted weird he told me it was chicken I took one bite and said I don't like this chicken and didn't eat it yeah because uh, that's not what chicken tastes like maybe mm-hmm. you should have been honest father um but, and then I wouldn't have eaten it anyway. <laughs> and I no, I would I would have tried I wouldn't have liked it anyway. I don't like gamey tasting meat. Um as I've now discovered that's there's a word for the taste I don't like. Um but like yeah, that never would have worked on me. I never would have eaten something I didn't like just because someone told me it was a thing. <laughs> Ew. I guess in, in Karen's case it's like leaning into the particular fantasy that she had. And actually it makes sense to me because of how she's presented as like somebody whose fantasies are so real. Yeah, she's so committed. She's going to eat the ghost pate, however it's unpleasant fair. it tastes. She's like, this is amazing. Like I've, I've tried like creating something for my child that ties in with their game and like they'll go along with it until the point where they actually have to eat it. And then they're like, oh no, wait, this is just rice with cheese on it. And I hate both of those things. <laughs> <laughs> they 
phone Jesse repeatedly over the course of the evening so that she oh, yeah. can teach them the sign language for various gothy concepts like witch <laughs> and ghost and stuff. Uh, which she apparently is cool with. Yep, she's she's fine with it. Um, so are her parents. So it's fine. This would be a lot easier if Zoom was invented because Jesse admits it's mm-hmm. quite difficult to describe these over the phone. But um, <laughs> anyway, so... Karen has also bought into the concept of sign language. I feel like um, Karen Brewer is the one you need to get on side when you're trying to win Stony Brook. Yes. The Pikes are an important voting block, but Karen has the most sway among the neighborhood kids because she can just bamboozle them into stuff that she believes in. So The hand that rocks the yeah. Karen rules the world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Next bit is Jesse is back over at the Mining the Braddocks and they're playing with uh, the Pike boys and arguing in sign language about uh, baseball because um, everyone is learning sign language real good now. (laughs) I I like that specifically that, you know, the Pike boys all deliberately went out of their way to learn absolutely every sign they could think of that was related to baseball and sport so that they could do sports. Yes, they can perform masculinity together. Yeah, pretty important. And then, yeah, Haley and Jesse have this kind of long chat where Haley says that she hates when people are mean to Matt, but she's also kind of resentful towards Matt and kind of wishes she'd never been born. Sorry, she wishes Matt had never been born. Mm-hmm. And Jesse's kind of like, yeah, I can see that. Sometimes I get annoyed at my siblings. There's just a lot of false equivalencies yeah. in many of these. I mean, maybe it is kind of how kids try to be supportive of one another. Maybe, <laughs> um, yeah. But it's not a very well-handled... um like narrative voice (laughs) no i think again it's we never ever ever find out anything about how matt feels about what it's like to be matt Mm -hmm. we hear about what it's like for jesse to babysit him and we hear a lot about what it's like for Haley to be his sister and matt is kind of he's a bit of a cipher yeah he's a bit of a ghost in the story like yeah he's kind of there for the non-deaf characters to react to mm-hmm. yeah and everyone except him is centered in this story basically mm. and it's like Haley feels however she's gonna feel and that's one thing but it's the only voice that we get about yeah what life with matt is like we never hear about what life format is like yes it would be good um because like jesse kind of occasionally is like oh yeah well we could write to each other you know that's that's a way we have of communicating as well as signing yeah um and matt is clearly able to write they 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 definitely could have got a narrative from matt yeah. into this yeah if they, that was a kind of a priority it's not really about matt the story yeah no it's about and, and being around matt yeah and it's 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 not like it's not like it's a bad thing that there is looking at, hey, you know, if you're the sibling of a disabled child, that that's different than being the sibling of somebody who's just universally accepted and able mm-hmm. to communicate easily with the people around them. Yeah. And it's, it's not bad that it looks at, hey, look, that, that's a thing as well. But when Matt's just, Matt's got like what? Three lines in the whole thing? Yeah. Yeah, bury that. Like, yeah, it would be really nice to 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 know Matt a bit, but we don't. We don't. No. Yeah, him at all. He likes sports. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's all you hear about. Matt is a boy. <laughs> Matt is deaf. That's it. That's what we've got. Uh, you get a little bit about his his classroom as well, um, which actually it makes so much sense. Like 
hearing that Anna Martin is uh, like a former teacher with some background in um, special needs education, but like she describes the classroom in way more detail than she describes the child who's like kind yes. of at the center of this narrative. <laughs> yes. It's a lot of stuff about like classroom facilities and stuff. But yeah, there's, there's also just, I just have to point, bring up, there's this really painful paragraph where Haley is like, if he had to have a disability, I guess deaf is the best disability. <gasps> All the other ones are worse. Yeah. Oh no, she lists some. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Mm. It's not good. No, it's not good. And I mean, like, like, yeah, I like physically cringed when I read this. It was very not okay. Mm. I just get the impression, I think these days somebody would sit down the author and say, how would somebody who any of these frankly some of them slurs applied to mm-hmm. feel reading mm-hmm. this yeah you have readers who are disabled kids mm-hmm. how would they feel reading this book i also would like to say anna martin did use a sensitivity reader for this book so oh, did she yeah she thanks her at the start i i guess i i guess she did i guess back then they weren't asking the question how would a disabled person feel reading this book they were um, going, is this accurate, I guess? I guess, yeah. But like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's very hierarchy of disabilities. And, you know, mm-hmm. I guess he's disabled, but he's not one of those disabled people. That'd be really bad. And yeah, it's just mm. like, I wouldn't give this book to a disabled kid. No. My read on this is that like, yeah, there's a ton of, there's a ton of problematic stuff in it. But the second thing that I would say about this whole um <laughs> this whole clusterfuck of a book, right? <laughs> uh, is that we have established that all of these books are, they are not just stories. They are actually practice based. They are tips. They're about how you as a babysitter deal with the people that you are responsible for as a 13 year old authority figure. And that what she is trying to do here is, um, model how you as the able-bodied babysitter can make this, the community that you're in a bit more inclusive mm-hmm. for people who are, di- are disabled. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I actually think that is quite valuable. And like, I know it's well-meaning and badly done in some ways, but it is like, I found that quite informative as a kid reading it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that like, she's, she's not, it's not just inspiration porn. Like, no, it's not like the previous book, <laughs> the child with the heart condition. This is like, okay, there's quite a lot of like, perhaps slightly outdated, but valid information about sign language, mm-hmm. which is going to be new to probably a majority of your readers. And actually you should consider how you as a person who can hear, um, can go about like communicating better with people who don't have the ability to use verbal communication for whatever reason. Um, and I, I think that that in itself is kind of commendable. Like, yeah, this is not like, I do mean this to be kind of a half-hearted defense of the book. It's not <laughs> perfect. Um, but it's also like, it has a certain amount of validity for what it, where it was in time. Yeah. No, I get what she's trying to do and that is worthwhile. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot about it that made me uncomfortable as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I think what she was trying to do was fairly typical of the time. Yeah. Like there were better examples of it at the time there were people who got it a lot less wrong. There were people who thought, hey, how would a deaf child feel reading this book? Which doesn't seem like it's necessarily occurred here. 
Like, I'm actually curious, though. Like, who? I don't recall. Like, maybe it's stuff I didn't encounter. I don't recall either, but, you know, I haven't read everything that was published in 1988. I'm guessing there was probably something. Probably not something in the pulp kidlet uh, <laughs> area. Okay. Admittedly. Um, but, you know, I'm guessing that there were things that were published that were more nuanced and better thought out and, you know, better thought of in terms of representation and stuff. There usually are. They're somewhere. Mm. They may not have come to uh, come to much focus at the time. You know, there always are. There's always exceptions. Um, but this is pretty typical of the stuff that I was reading at that age and the stuff that was on television and the very mm. special episodes yeah, of yeah, things. Yeah. This is exactly the sort of thing that was being... Mm-hmm. done when by well-meaning people yeah. trying to draw people's attention to <laughs> issues with a capital I. I just want to know I, I really do want to read the books from like 1989 that were better than this. <laughs> I'm super curious. <laughs> yes, if if any of our listeners can point us to some better disability representation from 1989 we would genuinely love to hear about it there's like a classic ya fiction podcast somewhere that's just shaking their heads sadly at us right now yeah <laughs> no doubt um, but oh. uh yeah it's this book is just it's a lot there's insufficient wacky hijinks <laughs> um oh we've got some foreshadowing for a future book Ooh, uh, yeah. Christy's mom is broody as hell. Oh yeah, mm. uh, is wandering around saying, "I wish I was pregnant, but I'm 37." Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, Christy seems genuinely surprised to find that you can get pregnant at 37. I just like to say, my mother was 38 when she had me. <laughs> <laughs> They're all like, "Well, I guess it's theoretically possible, but no, she couldn't possibly." <laughs> I love how the 13-year-olds are kind of like, when do you... Yeah, can you? I Yeah, I know that they're just like, I know at some stage there's some kind of age cut off, but really, I just don't know. At some point you become a granny, but is 37 that point? Or <laughs> Yeah, to be fair, I thought that was pretty plausible Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of how the kids reacted. In terms of... Christy's mum walking around saying, I wish I was pregnant. I'm like, I guess maybe some people would do that, but I don't know. No, that's really (laughs) weird. That's a really (laughs) weird thing to do. I wonder if this is um, Christy's interpretation of her mother being like, Christy, we were thinking about having another baby. And, you know, how would you feel about it? And Christy's like, oh, my mom is walking around going, oh, I wish I was pregnant. I want to be fat. You know, like... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's true. We do only have her word for it that this is actually what what happened. Or possibly her mother like watched a Pampers commercial on TV and got vaguely misty eyed. Like, oh, yeah, ex- that's yeah. the kind of thing. And Christy's like, "Oh, shut up, in your fucking uterus, mom." <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think that Christy is um like I. She's not a reliable narrator here. She was pretty good at the very start of the series, and I think she just gets more one-dimensional yeah. <laughs> as as time goes on. Yeah. Like, I have less and less patience with her. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. That's fair. So, yes, then Jesse goes to the school that Matt attends, and mm-hmm. she gives, like, a talk to his class about ballet and explains that ballet is basically full body sign language. Like, I don't know enough about sign language or ballet to know if that is 
a remotely sensical thing to say, but whatever. Everyone's on board with it. So Jessie has 10 free tickets to her upcoming ballet show. So all the kids from Matt's class can come to see the performance. I'm going to go with ballet is full body sign language, probably in the same way that, um, like painting is writing. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, if you didn't want to have to talk about this anymore, you might just agree to that. It's not, but there are some similarities, I guess. <laughs> yeah. We are conveying, it's conveying a meaning through moving one's body, but it's not a language. There's a, those aren't words. Yeah. It's dancing, guys. They're very smart seven-year-olds and they're able to deal with metaphor on a level that yeah. is, <laughs> yeah. And they're Hopefully. humoring the nice teenager who's come to talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just yeah. accept this conceit and move on. Yeah, pretty much. Then, oh yeah, Christy is mining Becca and Squirt. And I just have to say that I love, Jessie is so needlessly scathing about Becca's rock collection. I know, that is so funny. (laughs) Because Becca has a rock collection. But as Jessie says, let me set you straight about something. What Becca knows about (laughs) rocks and minerals, you could fit on the head of a pin. She doesn't know shale from quartz. She just collects rocks (laughs) she thinks are interesting. I love that so much. Fuck you, Jessie. That's so judgy. It's such an insight into Jessie. I know. I really like the little digression about how the one of the rocks is the exact shape of the their old school principal's nose, yep. and it was great when they lived there because they showed to people. And who's that? That's Milliken's nose. <laughs> then Sony Brook, everyone was like, "Uh, I guess a nose." <laughs> yeah, it's possibly oh. the weirdest metaphor for like the displacement of moving to a new town that we've ever encountered. But yes. I kind of love it. Do you know what it's? It's so oddly specific that I believe it yeah. too. It's, yeah. it's like, you wouldn't yeah. have made that up. Um, I do yeah, love. It's too weird to make up. I love that Jesse is apparently a, the kind of 11 year old geology nerd that knows shale from quartz and B assumes that everybody else is going to be all like, Oh God, Becca, how can you not make like such an obvious distinction? Jesus. And that Jesse cannot tolerate that we, the reader, might get the wrong idea and think that Becca does know shale from quartz, but we need to know that she doesn't. She's a fucking casual. She she doesn't know the first thing about this. Like if Becca said she was into rocks, Jesse would be like, "Yeah, well, name their first three albums. Name three rocks, Becca." <laughs> <laughs> she's a fake geology girl. <laughs> but it's it's so how you might feel about your siblings. Yes. It's that age oh, as God, well, yes. though. Oh, it's God, like, yes. oh, I'm so sick of your shit with your rocks. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, my God. Your fucking rock collection. You don't even know what rocks they are. You just like pretty rocks, you shallow, shallow six-year-old. <laughs> She's dope. I think she's eight. Um, so Becca is really excited when Christy comes to babysit and like takes her on a tour of all her collections. And after about four collections, Christy is like, okay, oh, there's the baby. Let's go. <laughs> let's go get him up. Changing a nappy is so much better than this. And I, I kind of see how Becca has this thing going on where she's like serious stage fright, but also is just, is totally excited by new people. Yeah. And like, I can see how. I can see how Jessie's come to this place. That's the, <laughs> that's like, yeah. she's just got a very over enthusiastic slash sensitive younger sister. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it is affectionate and she's clearly crazy yeah. about her siblings and it's, it's very adorable, sweet, but it's also just like, this was needlessly harsh. <laughs> So yes, uh, Becca has become besties with Charlotte Johansson because they've bonded over how shy they both are 
and Charlotte having a panic attack in the middle of the middle, Little Miss Stony Brook pageant apparently cemented their friendship forever. Yes. Mm-hmm. Then they ha- are also playing at being ballerinas and pretending that they're uh, going to be in the big performance of Copernicus. Um, I would watch the hell out of a ballet about Copernicus. I would much <laughs> rather that than some creepy thing about a guy who falls in love with a doll. Like, I would be here for an astronomy ballet. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm gonna be honest with you. I still wouldn't watch a ballet about Copernicus. I mean, okay, I wouldn't, but I'd be more likely. I'd read a book about Copernicus. Or watch a documentary. It's all astronomer guys in robes with beards, but it's played by like 11 year old girls wearing fake beards. <laughs> okay, that, I'm in. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. now in. I want beard ballet. <laughs> yes. I want it now. <laughs> Bring it to me. Yes. I want like some, some random 12 year old as being the Pope and being like, no, Copernicus. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. True dance. Come on. This will be amazing. Hope for the tutu. Make it happen. Yeah. Someone call up Lin Manuel Miranda. He needs a new project. I'll just tweet at him. Yeah. I'm sure he doesn't get that many of those. Oh, yeah. No, no. And give him like as little context as possible. Just tell him he has to write a ballet. About Actually, you do it. You, you, Esther, you've got the official uh, yeah. podcast tweet, Twitter. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like everyone gets to tweet Lin Manuel Miranda once, and I'm not sure I want to burn it on this. <laughs> no, no, it's once per account. You can do it in your personal as well. I don't have a personal. I'm not setting up a personal just so I can send him a second tweet. <laughs> okay, we're we're just gonna have to find a second tier music producer to to come up with Copernicus. I also like the idea that Lin-Manuel Miranda is going to put on a ballet. Performing arts, they're all the same thing. He would do the, like, book and lyrics. He doesn't have to do the choreography. Ballet, like. Broadway musical, what's the difference? <laughs> Fucking things on stages. It's whatever. <laughs> Madame, Mademoiselle or Madame, no, Madame Noel would be down here with her big fucking stick battering us for saying that. You know that, right? <laughs> Do you know, I think there's a character in um, Phantom of the Opera who has the same fake ballet accent and who looks <laughs> yes, like the ballet instructor. Yeah, I think it's a Madame Giry is the model for all of this. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. There has to be an original and that makes mm. a lot of sense. Yeah. Jesse's ballet performance happens. They... Bring Matt's class and Haley and Mrs. Braddock do like sign language interpretation so that they, before each act, they explain mm-hmm. like the plot of the ballet. As a person who's looking at a ballet going, I don't know, I guess they're dancing. I think it would be really cool if somebody came up on stage and told me what was happening before it. So that's like a massive step forward in terms of ballet accessibility for hearing people as well as deaf people, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would have thought that um that I I'm curious to know when they started to do that type of performance. Um because that's a that is just a really good idea in general. And it's interesting to see it appear at this point. I did a little bit of Googling this afternoon about like representation in this book and mm. apparently yeah, sign language interpretation and like stage performance was not a novelty by this point. Like it was okay. It was an established <laughs> thing. I just never bothered there. You very still you very rarely. Yeah, that, that's true. Have you been to a show where you've had a sign language interpreter on the stage? No, but I never go to live theater anyway. No, I don't go to shows very often though. So I've been to a handful 
of things in the last few years and like no it just it's it yeah. it would be generally be like oh like look at us look how great we are where i think we're doing the thing i mean people should do the thing but yeah. no it definitely should be a thing yes exactly they have uh nice accessibility features at this performance mm-hmm. which is nice and a good idea but again it's sort of the whole concept of this accessible performance is presented as very inspirational and like Jesse's school secretary cries because she finds out that Jesse is doing a nice thing for the deaf kids TM. <gasps> and it's it's a little over the top. Okay, so can I say so the way that I um that I read that is Jesse gets signed out of the school so that she can go yeah. and organize this stuff and the te- the secretary is like, "Oh my god, this is so nice. You know, you kids, you don't get enough credit for how nice you are these days." And Jesse's response is I have to say I agreed with her. Yes. <laughs> I felt like this is delightful Jesse kind of Jesse is just got a little bit of a Daria element to her. <laughs> like Yeah. Uh going on here where like uh, the the secretary is gushing and Jesse's just like, Yeah, no, you boomers have no idea. <laughs> this is my due. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's nice to see us getting a little bit of credit. Yeah. For yeah. all this fucking community work that we do because the adults aren't doing it because they're in the margarita tent and having swinging parties. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> That's Stony Brook. But yeah, yeah. I, I just like when everyone started crying in the audience at the end of the performance, <laughs> I was a bit yeah. like, okay, chill a bit, please. <laughs> I have to say, right, I am right now at between COVID and lockdown and other shit going on i am at an all-time high point for tolerance for sap <laughs> but i thought that was yeah a bit fucking much yeah a bit hallmark <laughs> yeah also there's an excruciating line where after jesse's performance as a swan Ilda in this ballet uh the teacher tells her that she did perfectly uh, sorry, no, Katie Bell tells her that she's doing perfectly. Uh, and Jesse says, there was no way Swan Elder could have been black, so I wasn't perfect, but I knew I was dancing very well. Oh, I missed that. Oh, <laughs> oh, that, I died inside. I decided that for the sake of me staying sane, that this is actually this book extremely subtly hinting at the way that like the racism of the society in which you live can get inside your head. Yeah, let's take it that way. Let's, let's just do that. I like that Madame Noel has been like, so um, there's a bit where Swanilda swaps place with Coppelia, mm-hmm. who is being played by Katie. And Madame Noel is just like, uh, yeah, no, we're not even going to address the fact that they're two different races. That's fine. Yep. Like it's, it's race blind casting. Yep. Uh, Cool. It's fine. Anybody got a pro- No, we're not going to even discuss it. Cool. Great. Let's move on. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't come up. Yeah. <laughs> Which is actually some sort of unaccustomed subtlety. Yes. In, in these I think, books. Nobody feels the need to point it out. I think if this line in Jesse's inner monologue was written mm-hmm. by a black author, I'd be like, fair enough. Mm-hmm. This is a depiction of how like a culture yeah. of yeah. racism can get in your head. When this yeah. line is written by a white author, I'm thinking, yeah, obviously yeah. this yeah. is all the white author could think of, and she feels she has to lampshade this, and yeah, I just no, no, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, yikes, 
Yeah. I said yikes a lot while I was reading this book. <laughs> this is a very yikes sort of a book. Yeah. I think we're going to have that again. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, I think are. there's going to be just periodic yikesing. Which is a shame because, like, Jessie is just perfectly good fun. Yeah. I like, love I Jessie. Like Jessie. She's one of my favorite characters. Yeah. Um, Jessie and Mallory are like a breath of fresh air after the kind of teen nonsense that the other girls kind of subject us to periodically. Yes, the the hormonal pressure cooker that is the older girls. That's it. Jesse and Mallory just, you know, desperately want to be allowed to wear leggings. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, and and not have braces. It's Mm. fine. Um, So yes, at the end of the show, uh, Matt brings a bouquet up to Jesse and then... Uh, Katie Beth's sister Adele brings a bouquet up to her and Katie Beth uh, announces to the audience that this is her sister Adele who's also deaf. <laughs> yeah. um, Everyone okay. cries more. Cool story, Katie. Yes, basically. <laughs> and I've just decided to learn how to talk to her. Oh, that's so commendable. <laughs> I mean, quite frankly, given how I'm assuming that this whole thing of we don't need to bother to learn to communicate with your deaf sister is from their parents. Yeah. That's, you know, that's, that's, that's pretty good going of Katie Beth. Yes, she's actually like, taking a class. Her parents are not apparently taking any class, but Katie Beth has decided yeah. to be a slightly less shitty relative than their parents. So <laughs> fair play for that. I guess. Hey, maybe we should communicate with this human who we're related to who technically lives with us, except you've sent her away to boarding school. Yeah. Who we brought into the world. So yeah, Katie Beth has decided to do the bare minimum and acknowledge her sister's existence. And so we grudgingly respect that. Uh, yeah. And uh, these people. Then they all go out for ice cream, except Jessie has to watch what she's eating because she's a dancer, so she has a bowl of fruit salad, even though she repeatedly mentioned that she really wanted ice cream. Mm. And then I felt very, very sad. Because mm. yeah. apparently, even though Stacey's left town, there still has to be someone in the group who has to eat sad food. I, yeah. I think it actually is addressed later on in the series that ballet promotes unhealthy yes. attitudes towards body image and eating. There, there is an eating disorder book later. Yes, yes, there is. Guess who it focuses on? <laughs> it's yeah. Katie Beth. Ah. <laughs> it's Katie Beth who has the eating disorder. Yeah, oh, I'm pretty sure it's Katie Beth again. Because um, I, I think Hillary is just like too unpleasant of a character for us <laughs> to feel. Um, so she just, so Katie Beth gets all of the, the stuff that might happen. Ah, okay. To you. And I think that that's, I don't remember uh, probably but just like oh. oh to be fair I didn't remember the characters of Katie Beth and Hillary at all but I, I I'm pretty sure I did read the 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 eating disorder book so yeah it's one of the few later ones I've read mm. I don't think I've read it but I, I had heard of it but I haven't read it I, I kind of that stuff came up as red flags for me because um yeah just hearing the experiences of people I know who did ballet yeah that is still 100% part and parcel of the experience yeah um, it's like, oh, great. <laughs> That's just going to be part of what we see here. Brilliant. <laughs> yep. What's next week's book? Next week's book is... God, what is next week's book? It is 10 to midnight and my husband has been exiled to his shed. Okay. <laughs> Let's wrap this up. Uh, all right. This book was kind of a bummer. Yeah. It meant well, but it mainly just made me uncomfortable. <laughs> it is. It It's part of an era. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so. I, I suspect Anne M herself maybe has looked back on this and gone like, mm, it's not how we would have handled it nowadays. I fully expect the Netflix version of this will be substantially different. Yes. And I'm looking forward to that. 
I don't know if they're going to do it. <laughs> I think this book is, it's it's of its time. It was yeah. doing its best and it was of its time. Mm-hmm. And isn't it great that we've come so far that we're reading this thing, which at the time yeah. for ki- for pulp kidlet was pretty yeah. progressive mm-hmm. and going, oh no, we can do so much better. Mm-hmm. Next episode, we will be covering Marianne's Bad Luck Mystery. Ooh, I remember Ooh. nothing about this. I hope there are some hijinks. That, I mean, that sounds like hijinks. And it sounds like Karen Brewer-related hijinks. Like Karen Brewer's, if there's, if someone's under a curse or something, you know Karen Brewer's involved. <laughs> Hit us up on social media. Answer any of the many questions we have put to you, our listeners. Or ask us questions. We're easy, like. We've, we've probably given you more information than you actually want, but... We've given you enough information to dox all of us, so... (laughs) Please don't do that. (laughs) Contact us, but respect our boundaries. How's that? (laughs) Very Captain Awkward of you, I like it. God, what do we have for a sign-off this week? I'm going to go with, it's not actually called (laughs) Amoslam. Yes. Very important, don't call it that. You're going to just have to cut out all this hemming and hawing. Make it sound like I'm like really cogent right now. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>